Take your Bibles, go to the book of John, John chapter 18. Thank you all ladies for singing. I think they sang yesterday at the rally as well. John chapter 18, stand with me. How many of you have a favorite place in the scripture, favorite scripture passage, or uh, obviously I've mentioned this before, probably hear me say it many more times. I love the gospel of John. And uh, obviously one of the most impactful accounts is what's about to unfold here in John chapter 18. And it's going right into the crucifixion of the Lord and all that would take place. And so John chapter 18, verse 1 Verse 1 and through verse 12 is where I'd like to read. And the title of the message is just, Where Do You Stand? I hear from John chapter 18. John chapter 18 and verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the book Brook Kidron, which, were, which was a garden into which he entered, and his disciples. And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft time resorted thither with his disciples. Judas then, having received a band of men and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, Cometh thither with lanterns and torches and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto him, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. Then asked he them again, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. But the saying might be fulfilled, which he spake of them, which thou gavest me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and smote the high priest's ear and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath, the cup which my father hath given me, shall I not drink it? Then the band and the captains and the officers of the Jews took Jesus and bound him. Lord, I love you, thank you, and I thank you so much for the privilege of being in church on a Sunday morning. I'm thankful for the day that I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. I think of the song that we sang a few minutes ago, When We All Get to Heaven, and I'm thankful that there's something to look forward to, or that no matter how bad it gets down here, this is the, this is the worst it will ever be, because one day we're going to be with the Lord. But Lord, for someone here today, this may be as good as it gets, because they don't know Christ, and their eternity is, is bleak. And I pray that if someone here doesn't know Christ today, they'd put their trust in the Lord. For those of us that are saved, I ask that you just remind us of who we are in Christ and what you did for us at Calvary. And I pray, Lord, that you would use us. Give me the very words you'd have me to say and let me say that and nothing, nothing less and nothing more. Speak to our hearts. We love you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Would you read verses 4 and 5 aloud with me again? Verses 4 and 5. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also, which betrayed him, stood with them. Boy, what a bad place to stand, isn't it? And how many of you are sports fans? You're sports fans. How many of you enjoy sports? One sort of another. I, I enjoy sports. I, I enjoy, I used to enjoy playing them a lot more. Now I enjoy watching them more. All right. And, but I enjoy them. Of course, you, we all have, maybe you have your team that you support and you, so you're a diehard fan. You'll support them whether winning or losing, right? And then we have those games, maybe you just enjoy sports, so you'll watch one. Anybody ever watch a game, you don't really care about either, te- either team, but it's just a good game. And maybe eventually through the process of it, whether purposefully or unconsciously, you kind of begin to root for one team or the other. 
and you find yourself just cheering one on. And, and on occasion, my sons and I will be watching a ball game, neither teams that, neither one that I care about, but they'll always ask, which one are you cheering for, Dad? And sooner or later, I'll start cheering for one or the other, and you kind of pick your place to stand. I think in politics, this last week I was in Washington, D.C., and uh, one night, Tuesday night, there was an after-hour tour. One of the Georgia congressmen took us on after-hour tours of the, the U.S. Capitol building. And part of the last part of the tour, they brought us into the, there into where Congress would sit. And it's open seating where much of the legislation of our land is passed. All of it is passed. But uh, open seating. But they'll divide uh, kind of on their, on their own accord right and left. On the right side of that, of that, of that room, there will be the Republicans. And on the left side of the room, there will be the Democrats. And there we get our phrase, are you left or right? Uh, because it's, they choose which side they'll, they'll lean to, whether they're going to the left or to the right. Matter of fact, even if they vote, even if someone declares themselves as an independent, they caucus with one party or another. In other words, when they get together to discuss what they're going to do, they're either going to caucus with the Democrats or caucus with the Republicans. And uh, independent is more of for our sake, all right, than for theirs, all right. But you make a decision and they'll, they'll have that reaching across the aisle, that statement of someone who's trying to reach across the other party to, to make bills, get bills passed and things of that nature. But they make a decision as to where they will sit in that case or make a decision as to where they will stand. And we do that in many different areas. But the most important place to decide is where you stand with the Lord Jesus, isn't it? It's where you stand. In this passage of scripture, we see a man make a horrible decision. Judas, matter of fact, he had made his decision earlier when he had betrayed the Lord for 30 pieces of silver. But for 30 pieces of silver, he would sell his Lord, his Lord out and... And uh, we know the story. He would sell them out for 30 pieces. And as the Lord, matter of fact, if you go back to chapter 14 and uh, you just just there as the last during the last supper and the Lord begins to give them some instruction. And in John chapter 13, Judas had already slipped out. They had their last supper and Judas would slip out of the room and he would go away to get his band. And the Lord would give them some final instruction in John chapter 14, 15, and 16. And then chapter 17, in the middle of that instruction, he just be lifted his voice. And rather than talking to his disciples, he started talking to his father. And in John chapter 17, we see the Lord pray for you and I. And then as, they, as he concludes that prayer, they slip out and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. John doesn't record a whole lot of what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane. He doesn't record the Lord's Prayer and, and all of those things. He doesn't record the disciples falling asleep. John's focus by way of the Holy Spirit was that ye might believe in Jesus Christ. He just gives us this glimpse. He wants us to see who God is. So we see Judas and his band. That word band, it comes from a word like cohorts. And it, it really, it speaks of, some folks will say that there could have been upwards of a thousand people with Judas. Incredible. A cohort of, of Roman soldiers was a thousand. But there were certainly a lot, more than just a handful. I don't know how you picture it, but maybe several hundred folks that were with Judas, his officers and his band and his soldiers that would come into the garden there. It wasn't just this small group of people. There was a group of them. And they come to the garden. The Lord has concluded his prayer. He hears them coming. And what stands out to me is the Lord confronts them. They don't confront him. He confronts them in verse 4. Verse 4, he said, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? Boy, nobody took Jesus, did they? He presented himself willingly. No one took his life from him. He laid it down, he would say in John chapter 10. He went forth. He went forth to this band and he said to them quickly, Whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And when he said, I am he, that whole band of men fell over backwards on their back. 
And then the Lord would say again, I asked you a question, whom seek ye? And he said, Jesus of Nazareth. I don't know if they were saying it lying on their back or if by this point they had stood back up. The Lord said, I told you I, I am he. And, he said, I, and then he would say in that verse, he said, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. He was protecting his own, wasn't he? You couldn't have them. He was going to lay down his life, but he was going to protect those 11 that were still with him. And so they would, he would allow himself to be led away. But in the middle of it all, you see Judas standing in poor company. Horrible decision. Judas had spent three years with the Lord. Three years. Think about that for a moment. He had heard the Lord's words spoken. He was there when the Sermon on the Mount was preached. He was there at the Mount, the Olivet Discourse. He was there in those private conversations. He was with the Lord and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus said, peace be still, and everything stopped. He had heard all of the words of the Lord. He had seen the miracles that proved who he was. He had seen the Lord make a lame man walk, make a blind man see. He had seen the Lord heal the lepers and he had seen the Lord cast out demons. He had seen the Lord forgive sin and would their sins be forgiven thee. He had seen the Lord calm nature itself. And he had heard the words. He, he was there with the Lord when he would ask those disciples outside of Caesarea Philippi, whom say ye that I am? And they would all begin to speak up. Some say you're Jeremiah. Or some say you're Elias the prophet. And some say that you're John the Baptist. And then he would look at them and say, but whom do ye say that I am? And Peter would speak up, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. The Lord would look at Peter and say, flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my father which is in heaven hath revealed it unto thee. But somewhere along the line, Judas rejected the words of the Lord that he had heard. Somewhere along the line, he rejected the miracles that he had seen. Somewhere along the line, he decided he didn't stand with the Lord he stood with the band. He decided he stood somewhere else. And he would face an eternal consequences for it. Within a few short hours, both Jesus and Judas would die. Jesus himself would give his life for you and I as he would hang upon a cross and shed his blood and say those words, it is finished to give up the ghost. Judas would make a noose for himself and hang him from a tree, help hang himself from a tree. In a few short hours, they would be dead. Within three days, our Savior would rise again, wouldn't he? I'm thankful for that. Judas will one day rise again, believe it or not. If you've got your Bible, go back to Revelation. God gives us a glimpse in what's coming in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. It says this, And I saw a great white throne. This is John again, given these words by the Lord. John chapter 20, verse 11, he would write, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat upon it, and him that sat on it, from whose faith the earth and the heavens fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. He's part of the wrong resurrection. God called him forth one day 
One day God's calling Judas back up out of hell and all of those who rejected him to stand before that great white throne judgment. And he would see his name not written in the book of life. And the Lord will look at Judas and say, like he will say to all those who reject him, depart from me, for I never knew thee. Forever. That moment when he stands before God, the one that he walked with for three years, spoke with him along the Sea of Galilee, saw his miracles, heard his messages, communed with him individually, saw the evidence of who he was, somewhere along the line, he said, I don't believe it. And that night he found himself in poor company. Where he stood, I think of the call of this passage of scripture is to stand on the right side of belief. Verse 4, it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus saith unto them, read those next three words with me. I am he. I am he. I think of the verse in John 6, 35. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. John 8, verse 12. Then Jesus saith unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In John 10, 7. Then Jesus said, said them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. In John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. In John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. In John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. I wonder if all those I am statements were ringing in the ears of Judas as he fell over backwards as God said, I am he. But he had made a poor decision when it came to believing in God. He had rejected God. Well, I think of what a difference it makes in terms of what you believe about your Jesus. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What you believe about Jesus determines your eternity. Judas stood with the wrong crowd. He'd somewhere along the line, he decided to reject it. I think of Matthew 7, 13 through 14. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go therein, therein thereat, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Judas had the bigger crowd. Did you notice that? He had a band of men. There were 11 with Jesus. Judas had a band. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. You can be popular and reject Christ. You can be famous and reject Christ. You can be with a band and reject him because broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. In this passage of scripture, we see the crowd and Judas found himself in the wrong place. Well, we live in a world that wants to reject God, reject him for who he is. Friend, you can come to church and still reject him. 
You can grow grow up hearing about him and still reject him. You can see his working and still reject him. Judas saw his miracles. He saw the Sea of Galilee calmed. He saw lame men made to walk and blind men made to see. He he saw these things. He heard every one of those I am statements that I just read from the lips of Jesus. And he still rejected him. What do you do with Jesus? He was on the wrong side of belief. Somewhere along the line, he said, I don't believe it, and I don't want it. And with a few short hours, with regret, he would grab his rope and hang himself. He stood in the wrong place with a wrong crowd. Somewhere along the line, he decided wrong. I think it was Christian, what do you believe about your Jesus? May of 1995, Madera Baptist Church, Cincinnati, Ohio, on a Wednesday night... I was there. My dad was preaching from 1 John. I don't remember the messages. I don't remember all the messages or whether he was going through a sermon series or whether he was just preaching from 1 John that night. But I remember that night, what I had heard my whole life became personal to me. Grew up in church, grew up around the gospel. I heard Sunday school teachers teach it, junior church workers preach it, evangelists, missionaries, my own father, my own parents in home and in church, out of the church, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that night, Jesus was God to me, and he was more than God to me. He was the God who died on the cross for me. Not just the one who died for the sins of the whole world, but the one who died for the sin of Sahan. And I made a decision. That's my God, my Jesus, my Savior, and I trusted in him. Judas knew it, but didn't believe it. Jesus heard it, Saw it, but didn't believe it. Where do you stand with Jesus? Are we on the right side of belief? Are you on the right side of the book? Look at verse 8 and 9. Jesus answered and said, I have told you that I am he. If ye therefore ye, if ye, if therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. That the same might be fulfilled which he spake of them, of them, of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. That the saying might be fulfilled which he spake. Of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. John chapter 17 and verse 12. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me, I have kept. And none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. John chapter 6, 38 through 40. For I came down from heaven, Jesus would say, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which he has sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I, shall, I should lose nothing, those that he would save, but should raise up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Here the Lord had said, as it it had been said, as he had said, of them which thou gavest me, I have lost none. Can I tell you something? When God speaks, that settles it. When God speaks, that settled it. When the Lord lifted up his voice into heaven, that of those which thou gavest me, I have lost none. It was settled in that moment. It didn't matter how big the band was. 
It didn't matter if it was just a handful or whether it was a thousand. It didn't matter if all the armies of the earth had marched to the Garden of Gethsemane. When God said the word, I am he, they fell over backwards. Because he is the creator of the world. And when he says it, that settles it. It was settled. What will you do with the word? What will you do with what God says? I think of how Judas would reject what God had said. He would speak the Sermon on the Mount, the Olivet Discourse. He would commune with them on a daily basis as he walked and teach them the word of God. Yet Judas decided that what he said was not true. What he said was not true. And I I will ask you this question, what will you do with this book? John would say, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. In John, 1 John 5, 7, he said, these three bear, bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinity, God the Father, the Word, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he settles it, it's, when he says it, it is settled. Judas rejected it. I would ask you, where do you stand with this book? Friend, if it isn't true, then what will you do with what he said in John three sixteen? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. What will you do with what he said there? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What will you do with, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? What will you do with what God has said in his word? We must make a decision. Where do we stand when it comes to the word of God? And if it is his word, what will you do with it in your life? Judas rejected it. He turned from it. He rejected the person of Christ and he rejected the word of Christ who he was, and what he said. He said, I don't stand with it anymore. I think the questions is still the same. What will you do with him and what will you do with his word? Friend, if you can't believe his word, then you can't believe in him. Boy, someone's word and their their actions are inseparable, aren't they? We will determine someone's character based upon what they say and what they do. They're inseparable. In other words, does someone do what they say they'll do? This week I was in D.C. and many times we we grow frustrated with politicians, don't we? Because we feel like they make a promise when it comes to an election time and then they back off that promise when it comes to time in office. Don't we feel that way sometimes? And you cannot separate a man from his word because what he says and what he does will determine who he is. Friend, you cannot separate God from his word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have an unchanging God and has given us an unchanging Word. What do you believe about His Word? It will impact your everyday life. Friend, if this is His Word, don't let it grow dusty. If it is His Word, then believe what He says. If it is His Word then stand upon its promises. Judas, Judas rejected the Lord 
and rejected his word. Where do you stand with, with belief? Where do you stand with the, with the book? And then we see this lastly. Where do you stand with his blood, the right side of the blood? Go to verse 1 of this chapter. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. When I was in Jerusalem and Israel this, this last, this last year, I got to stand on the Mount of Olivet. As a matter of fact, I think on one of the first days, the Mount of Olivet, that Mount Lord would have ultimately ascended up into glory on the Mount that when he comes back, he's coming back one day. Amen. But you could stand on that, that one side of the hill and you could look down into the valley where the brook Kidron ran and you could look back up and there was the temple mount upon, and Jerusalem upon the mount upon which the temple sat. And it was amazing how close together they were. I, I, that's one of the things that shocked me when I was there. That, that as, it was almost like looking from, the, uh, from the, the Georgia side of the Chattahoochee over into the Alabama side. You could look from Columbus and over into, into Phoenix City. It was just about that, that close. And you could easily see how the Lord would be there in the upper room with his disciples and they would have that last supper and, and that Judas would slip out to betray him and he'd have those words with him. And then he'd say they would leave that upper room and they'd go down outside of the city and they'd cross the brook Kidron and they'd go up over there into the Garden of Gethsemane. You'd stand on the Mount of Olivet and you could look down and see that valley. You could see the Temple Mount and down over in this direction was the Garden of Gethsemane. And you could see how easily it was just to traverse that, that little direction. But as the Lord would have those words and he would speak in that upper room, he'd go down and he'd cross over the brook Kidron. This was the time of the Passover. And they will say that in the time of the Passover, because of the, the number of the sacrifices that were made and the way that it was cleansed, that the brook Kidron would run red with blood. It would run pink. The, cha- the color of the brook would change because of the, the blood that was being shed and the way they would clean that out. That as you... So as the Lord stepped out of the upper room with his disciples and walked down and crossed the, brook, the, the valley there and crossed the brook and up into the Garden of Gethsemane, as Judas and his band and those Roman soldiers stepped down and left Jerusalem and came down and splashed through the brook there, they would splash through waters made red with blood. And they would cross up into the Garden of Gethsemane. And that blood was a testament to sacrifice. A sacrifices that began in the garden. In Genesis 3.21, after Adam and Eve sinned, it says, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make a coat of skins and clothe them. If you remember the story, God had put a tree in the Garden of Eden and said, Don't eat of that tree. The day that you eat of the tree, you'll surely die. And we know the story that ate of the tree and sin entered into this world and death by sin. And as a result of that impurity entering into their life, they knew that they were naked and in that nakedness they went to clothe themselves and they tried to clothe themselves with some leaves, didn't they? Tried to clothe themselves with some leaves and when the Lord showed up, he confronted them about their sin and he did something. He performed the first sacrifice. No fruit of the ground, no tree is sufficient. And he performed the first sacrifices. He killed one of those animals, skinned that animal, and clothed them with that skin. John 19.30. And when Jesus, when Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Just a few moments from this moment, the Lord himself, after enduring the false trial and the beatings, the cat of nine tails, the nails through his hands and through his feet, as his blood was shed on Calvary, he would say those words, It is finished. 
and he would give up the ghost, paid in full, the final sacrifice. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. From the moment there in the Garden of Eden till Calvary, sacrifice after sacrifice, bloodshed after bloodshed, a picture, only by the shedding of blood is there remission of sin. Only by the blood. And those folks, as they splashed through the brook Kidron on their way to take the Savior, splashed through the very symbol of what they needed most, the blood of Christ applied to their life. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. See, he performed the first sacrifice, and he performed the last needed sacrifice, didn't he? He slew that first animal, a picture of blood that needed to be shed there in the, Garden of, in the Garden of Eden. And here on Calvary, he would shed his own blood, that final sacrifice for the sins of man. One sacrifice, once for all. In Peter, it says in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 21, for as, for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Foreordained before the foundation of the world. Before he said, let there be light. Before he said, let us make man in our image. Before he hung the stars in the sky, he had a plan. And when Adam, when Eve sinned in the garden, he put that plan in action and he performed the first sacrifice, a picture that there was necessary to be a blood sacrifice. Cain would rise up to do his offering and try to give fruit to God. And God would say, fruit is insufficient. There must be blood. And he would reject the sacrifice of Cain and he would accept the sacrifice of Abel because he offered up a blood sacrifice. We would see it in the patriarchs as they would perform sacrifice after sacrifice. We would see it confirmed in the laws. God gave instruction on how the, the animals were to be slain. All leading up and all pointing a great arrow towards the perfect sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. When once for all, finally, he would offer himself as a sacrifice for all sin. What will you do with the blood? What will you do with his sacrifice? There in the garden, he would allow himself to be led away. There they would take him before Annas and before Caiaphas, and there they would try him. An illegal trial, a nighttime trial, it was illegal. And they would hire liars to lie against him, and finally they would deliver him off to Pilate. And Pilate didn't want anything to do with it. He'd send him off to Herod. It's your jurisdiction, Herod. You take care of it. And Herod desired to see Jesus, the Bible would tell us, because he wanted to see some of his works. He wanted a carnival show. He wanted to see a miracle. He would see him, and he would finally send him back to Pilate. The crowd would cry out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And the Lord and Pilate would try to make a trade between Barabbas and Jesus, but they would choose Barabbas. Pilate would wash his hands, said, his blood be upon your heads and not on me. As much as I'm sure it went against nature, Pilate needed his blood like everybody else needed his blood. But our Jesus would be taken, stripped naked in the common hall, his, blood, his beard plucked out, crown of thorns to mock his royalty shoved down upon his head, and he'd be beaten with the cat of nine tails 39 times until his flesh hung from his body and his bones were made bare. Most men, they say, would die from it. 
They would throw a robe of purple around him to mock his royalty again and then strip it off him later. Make him carry his cross up to Calvary and drive nails through his hands and through his feet. And they would hang him on the cross until he said, it is finished. The final sacrifice for our sin. Judas stood on the wrong side. Somewhere along the line, Judas said, I want none of it. Somewhere along the line, he rejected Christ. Somewhere along the line, he rejected his word. And somewhere along the line, he rejected his sacrifice. And I'll live without it. He didn't live long. Because only a few short hours, he would hang himself. And those 30 pieces of silvers that he had traded himself with, he would throw back at their feet. They would take and buy a potter's field and turn it into a cemetery for the poor. And Judas, for all from that day till this day, has been crying out in hell. And one day, God will pull him up out to stand before a great white throne judgment where the Lord will look at him one last time and say, Depart from me, for I never knew thee. And forever, he will spend all of eternity in a bottomless pit. Because he stood with the wrong crowd. He stood with the wrong band, and he made the wrong decision. Where do you stand? Where do you stand when it comes to the person of Jesus Christ? Where do you stand when it comes to his word? Where do you stand when it comes to the blood? Friend, if you don't know him, now's the time to decide. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Now's the time to say, I don't want to run with the crowd. I want to run with my Jesus. Now is the accepted time. And if you know him, friend, then live for him. If you know him, live for him. Remember, you don't belong in the band. You belong with the Lord. That he has purchased you with his precious shed blood on Calvary. That he agonized and endured the agony of the cross and was despised and rejected of men. That he was bruised for our iniquities and for our sin. And he took all of that upon him that we might be his child. So the the reminder for this is the same. If you know him, live for him, friend. Those 11 went on to turn the world upside down for Jesus because they knew who they belonged to. And Judas went on to spend all of eternity separated from his Lord. Where do you stand? Where do you stand when it comes to believing in him? Where Where do you stand when it comes to his word? Where do you stand when it comes to his blood? It's what matters for all of eternity. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for the scripture. I thank you for the word of God. And Lord, I'm thankful that you gave us this passage of scripture all because you loved us, that we might believe. You would say in your word, John would say in your word, that, or that you gave it to us that we might believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. Lord, I pray that we would make, that folks would make the right decision this morning. If there's someone here this morning who doesn't know Christ, they put their trust in him. Those of us that are saved would choose to live for him. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Let me just ask you this question first of all. How many of you can say, preacher, I've made my decision. I've put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, not, by, not the works that I have done, but I have simply trusted in Christ. And, and preacher, I can tell you, if I died right now, I know where I'm going. I'm, 
I'm going to heaven. And the reason I know it is because I've trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's your testimony, would you just raise your hand between you and I and the Lord? You say, Preacher, I know that I'm saved on my way to heaven. Thank you. you may put your hand down. Is there anybody here this morning that said, Preacher, I'm unsure about that. I don't know where I'd spend eternity, but I want to make the decision. I don't want to be in Judas's company. I want to be in the company of those who trust the Lord. And I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose again. And I want to put my trust in him. Would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Is there anybody like that? Say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I want to trust in the Lord this morning. <clears throat> Let me ask you this then, folks. How many of you would say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart? Maybe just a simple reminder. I, I know for many of us what I've preached this morning is not new, but maybe the Lord made it fresh in your heart. And he spoke to your heart specifically. Maybe it's about living for him. Maybe it's just a reminder to trust in his word or what he did for you that you could be saved. But you'd say, Preacher, the Lord has spoken to my heart this morning. Would you raise your hand as a testimony? Would you stand with me as that pianist begins to play? As, as God has worked in your heart and the invitation is given and take time to do business with the Lord. But as the pianist plays, spend time with the Lord.